Mike here with a very special guest today. Uh, it is uh, the middle of February and uh, the weather today is a very brisk 20 degrees in uh, suburban Columbus, Ohio. I love that, it, I, I love that you guys all want to know uh, what the weather is. In Brea, California today, uh, which is where we lived, um, it is right now 68 degrees. So 48 degrees, what is 48 degrees be between friends? Uh, we had uh, six inches of snow yesterday. There was shoveling involved. It was pretty funny. Now, uh, Andy could not be with us today. First, first episode recorded without Andy, although I've done a couple by myself, but, but this is with a different co-host. So, so I've been trying, I've been trying to find an Ohio Andy and, um, we'll call him Ohio, oh, Handy. And, um, and so, so we're going to give this guy a test drive today. He's my buddy, Kevin. Say hi, Kevin. Hello, internet. <laughs> this is my buddy, Kevin from Columbus. Kevin is most famously known for telling me before I moved to Columbus, um, Hey, I asked him, Hey, what was the, what was the, what's the winter like? And he says, you know, I bought a, uh, I bought a, um, a snow shovel two years ago and I haven't used it. In two years, it's pretty mild, he says. That is very true. And um, and this year, I think we've had more snow than we've had in, what, three years? The last three years combined. Absolutely. So you lied! No, Kevin, I, you I lied! took the tags off my snow shovel a month ago. Uh, it's snowed in December. Two months ago. Exactly. Well, you, didn't, you didn't need a shovel it's freaking, in December. It was it's just like an inch. So, it doesn't matter. It's just like an inch. Bro, you said... You said there was no snow. I think and it's been it's been crazy. I think you love the snow. That is false. And you just like to complain. Well, that is true, but the first part was false. So Kevin, Kevin's a buddy who um who lured me with false promises of moderate winters <laughs> into the Midwest. And uh, Kevin is a sales rep for a local uh it's locally owned, but it's international. Right, he 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 makes it a, a very important point to to say this is an international coffee company, correct? I like to use the word global. Global? Yeah. Not international. Right. All global. right. Talk louder. Talk louder in there. I like to use the word global. Okay. I, I think we heard you that time, oh, but just the, the, in general. Motion to speak again. Yes. Okay. Uh, so they're global. It's called Crimson Cup Coffee. And tea. And tea. Oh, I'm sorry. So so um. That not that this particularly qualifies him to be a substitute co-host in in replacement of Andy, but I, I figure. Do you like hockey? I do not. Okay. Necessarily All right. All right. watch hockey, and you don't have you don't have long hair. I barely have any hair. Perfect. And you don't you don't have you're not Filipino. I'm not Filipino. What what is what is uh, Ashelman? What what uh, uh, German? Oh boy, boy! We like we need more of those. We don't need more of those. But I also have sleeves on. Yes, you do have sleeves on. You're in a in a some sort of uh, matching when the pants and the the jacket match. That's called a suit. Last time it's I called checked, a suit. Yeah, it's okay. what uh, people wear. It's beautiful. Um, who are professionals? So you are. I know. I know. It's all right. I have them in my boxers. Um, you are a coffee rep for Crimson cup coffee and tea crimson cup coffee and tea a global company yes what makes crimson cup because i i i don't like coffee mm. and i don't like people who like coffee yep you hate coffee um what makes crimson cup what like what's the crimson cup stand for is it a crimson cup 
Well, Hence it, is. The... it is a crimson cup okay, so as nice. well. All right, so Starbucks is green. You guys have locked up crimson. Right, so coffee, for those of you who don't hate coffee, uh, coffee grows on trees, and when they mm. grow, uh, they grow between the tropics around the globe. Okay, so, we're done here. Um... So, so <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that's my friend Kevin. And uh, or... can, I, can I say one thing, though, just yeah. to set the record straight? I okay. did not lure you to Ohio. I was... At my daughter's softball game, my phone rings, and I'm a fanboy of Mike Erie, so I answer it, and he says, Kevin, I'm coming to Ohio. You never once, I never once lured you here, so just so everybody Yeah, but knows. when I was doing my diligence on the weather, you lied. <laughs> I told the truth about the last couple of years. I was wearing shorts in January last year. Oh, man. Well, I am too. As you are right now. Yeah, but this is inside. True. So this is my buddy Kevin. Um, I have two Kevins. The other Kevin's going to be bitter that he was not the first uh, substitute co-host. So but this he is... does refer to me as Kevin number two. So or Kevin or Kevin Junior or Sub Kevin. No, you said Kevin number two <laughs> in reference to other things. So Kevin <laughs> Kevin number one can remain oh. remain your favorite. So Kevin number two is here in the Vox uh, Studios with us, and um, and and so what I want to do is last week. We began, I, I woke up to the fact that people are giving us loads of feedback on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and emails, and I've had no idea. I mean, Andy's told me this, but I just it hasn't dawned on me to actually go look at it all. And so there's so many questions and so many critiques and so many things to respond to. So this is going to kind of be a respond kind of episode because there's so much. I mean, and, I, and I'm so sorry that so much has been sitting around. So Kevin does not know, he's a podcast listener, but he does not know kind of the topics ahead, uh, ahead of time. And so neither, Andy never does either. And so he's just going to be reacting and chirping and, and um, he's got his LaCroix, uh, which is what um, um, guys in suits with little hair drink, evidently. Um, uh, what, what kind of blend in Crimson Cup is your most popular? Uh, the most popular it's yeah. called Armando's. Okay, we don't care. All right, here we go. Blend. Um, we don't care. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's start with a review on uh, on iTunes. All right, because uh, I just popped it open and and 182 people have reviewed us, and uh, it's amazing. So thank you, and and the vast majority of them are positive, and then my mom's chimed in a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but but this is a Kevin. This is a Kevin right here. Another Kevin. Kevin number three. So Kevin number three uh, wrote, and the reason I'm reading this is because I think it raises an interesting point about kind of the approach we take on some things. So Kevin number three writes, I lasted for almost a full hundred episodes. Now that that is deserving of some sort of award. That's amazing. I mean, that's a hundred hours at least of wasted time, and um, and so yes, you deserve the fact that you would announce that in kind of your review heading. Perfect. That says yes. That says, but I've had enough. That's the implication. I've had enough. Mike is good for understanding biblical context, but has turned into the politically correct Bible teacher. All right. So that's the that's the first sentence. I survived 99 and one quarter episodes and decided to call it quits. Uh, some of his hangups, okay? Some of the sources Mike uses for news are highly suspect. 
first of all, I, I get all my news on the internet. And so I think that's solely trustworthy. Totally. Fake. I, I don't know fake, why you'd have any problem with that. Fake news. Many podcasts, he refers to Twitter as to what people are saying, but I would hardly use that as a source of good information or relevancy. Fair enough. His criticism of other political views tends to be based on utopian ideals. The kingdom of God has yet to be fully actualized. Any other system by man or woman will always fall short due to man's sin nature. However, that doesn't mean cultures or political systems are all morally equal. Correct. Some are better, better than others. Yes. For example, Mike will critique the MAGA, Make American Great Again, slogan as a platonic ideal, which it was not meant to be. He will state, quote, when was America ever great? Uh, and, uh, and I respond with, quote, compare to what other real country? If that country is better, then Mike is encouraged to move there. Um, there's a lot of weird psychology where standards are inconsistently applied. For example, the episode he talked about white supremacists, but made no mention of the Antifa, uh, was strange for a follower of the nonviolent Jesus. The hundredth episode where he talked about people lying is where I turned it off. I don't remember that, uh, specific point. Apply the same standards to everyone, including yourself. I wish I could, um, write a lot more, but I'll leave you with this. If a fellow Christian believed two plus two equals three. Um, I could certainly be able to fellowship with him because that belief is a non-essential of the faith. I would try to explain uh, why that equation is not correct. However, there comes a point when that person's frame of reference is so backwards that you just have to move on. That's the Vox podcast. All right. So first of all, Kevin, number three, thank you for your feedback. Uh, I, I always love... Uh, to hear the good uh, and the bad, and so no, no problem there. Um, I, I, I'm reading a little into the critique. I mean, not that you're going to listen to this, because I mean, you made it 99 and a fourth, and this is 106. So, um, but, but, but I, I, I did want to get into something, Kevin. So this is what this is the life of a podcaster, Kevin. Number two, this is what you do. You put it out there. It's like giving birth, and then people say your baby's ugly. And then you look in the mirror and, and realize why. Right. right. So, so I, I, I'm sure the sources are suspect. Um, yeah, I do. I, I follow a really varied uh, group of people on uh, Twitter. So, so I do look at my Twitter feed as a representation of thought because I follow all sorts of, I follow feminists and black Lives matters folks and LGBTQ folks and conservative Christian folks. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I can kind of get a sense of all, of all of that. And, and in terms of the utopian ideal, I'm not quite sure. Um, Mike, for example, Mike will critique the make America great again. Um, I don't critique it as a platonic ideal. Um, uh, and when I say, when was America ever great? I'm just wondering at what stage we're referring to in American history. So Roy Moore was asked, okay, when, when was the last time like families were, or no, no, when was the last time America was awesome? And he's like, yeah, in the fifties. And, and, um, you know, when families were together and I see what he's saying. Yeah. I mean, we, the, the brokenness of homes is not a good thing for our world. No question about it. Kevin, number two, but the the counter that the, the counters that were coming to that were like oh okay so it was like um uh you know segregation was still an issue and the civil rights movement hadn't been so so america was great if you were white and you were married right so the, the, so when i ever whenever i'm looking like well when was america great 
right? It was, it's only been great for certain kinds of people. And we're waking up, you know, the last two or three years to the fact that those, it hasn't always been great for everybody as much as we'd love to think that were true. And that's all I'm trying to say. I love, I love living here and I would choose I mean, here over over everything. I'm not anti-American at all. I'm just saying when Christians use that, they use it. I think they use it very uh, in a very unnuanced way. And some of you have noticed that I use the word nuance like every podcast. So, Bing, if this is a drink, nuanced drinking game, take a drink of two percent milk, um, <laughs> right? Because it's oh, a family show. That Crimson Cup, we use whole milk. Oh my goodness! Thank you. See, do you see why he's so successful? Do you see? Man, Kevin, this literally is probably the top Crimson Cup salesperson in, what would you say? In your living room? (laughs) Yep. Perfect. Yep. So, so I'm not, listen, I'm just saying that America's greatness came at the cost of other people. Right, whether it was whether it was slaves, whether it was women couldn't vote, whether it was um, uh, the 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 horrible years of segregation, and then and then how how it happened that we um, that the horrible years of segregation, yeah, the horrible years of, of segregation, how we became unsegregated was brutal too. Um, so that's all I'm trying to say, and that the whole make America great again thing, I'm not I'm not against that. I'm not against I'm not against wanting America to be great. The issue is how does America's greatness manifest itself? Does America's greatness manifest itself at the expense of other countries or does America's greatness manifest itself through uh, service, humility through um, through blessing and generosity? I mean how does America and so so yes, I have no question. Uh, and no problem with America being great again. love it. Of course. I'm so proud to be an American at least I know I'm free. Is that how the song goes? Yeah, we're at least. I know, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm free. free. Yeah, all won't you won't forget the man who died and gave that right to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll gladly stand up next to you. But <laughs> there, there's a sense in which there's a sense in which um, the American <laughs> exceptionalism can become code for upper middle class white people and you know how comfortable society is for them and that's all i'm trying to point out but but here's the bigger issue and i and i think i i think the the undertone of the critique is kind of like i'm too liberal so i'm politically correct or something and, I, and i've gotten this a lot from people what are you looking for kevin i i'm good what do you like, what were you looking, looking for, for my phone i i was just making sure it was off because yours keeps going off and i don't want to be rude and now we've interrupted and now we're both rude see i'm never rude in my podcasts it's true your, um, name, your name is on the door yep yep so uh anyway um so but, but i think this raises a very interesting point about um why it is that we would be uh, concerned about trump and concerned about evangelical support of trump and um because we didn't say really and not that we were you know, doing this during obama's time well the last year we were uh of his presidency but we weren't begging on obama a lot and so so why be hard on trump and trump supporters when you weren't hard on obama and obama supporters and, and this is because um i i think there is uh room in um uh, the Christian space for the critique of our own. In other words, when Jesus was here 
And we've said this many times before. He wasn't turning over tables in the Roman temple. He wasn't, um, he, he wasn't calling down uh, judgment on the Gentiles. What he was doing was he was, he was woeing the, the Pharisees. He was correcting the Sadducees. He was warning the, the Jewish leaders of his day. In other words, the critique was all inward. And, and, and Paul talks about this when he says, oh, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? I judge those inside. And so when, when the church, at least my tribe, my branch of it, when my branch of it is almost universally anti-Obama, well, I'm not going to add to the noise. But when my tribe is almost universally at least 83% an electing, electing him and, and 68% still, still supporting him, when my tribe now has stamped Trump's presidency as, as, as one evangelical put it, this is the evangelical dream president. And, and I, I do feel compelled to say, well, I, I don't think that's true of everybody. And I don't think that's true of evangelicals. I think if you're looking at white male evangelicals, probably, who have this very narrow definition of what it means for America to be great. But for the rest of us, um, I think there's cause for concern, particularly in the logic that's used by evangelicals to excuse Trump's behavior. Right. So we were always the people saying character matters, character matters, Clinton scumbag. Right. Bill should be thrown out of office and Hillary, man, she's so corrupt and she's deceitful. And then you got this guy who, holy cow, I mean, uh, you know, and I don't know if he had an affair with a, you know, uh, 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 porn star or not or or there was hush money paid or not but it's just it doesn't we don't even blink collectively at the stuff that has accumulated around this guy and 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 the excuses that evangelicals give are just like well yeah he's not perfect he's not a pastor he's not this he's not that so character doesn't matter when you're close to power but character matters um uh when you don't want to vote for somebody i mean it's just it, it's absolutely ludicrous and so i do think there have to be countering voices out there. So I get, if that makes me politically correct, I mean, I, I think we're very non-politically correct, but if that makes me politically correct, then I'll do it, doggone it, because I do think, I do think there have to be voices, <coughs> stop coughing, that that um, that are countering the, the major perception, which is, of course, that evangelical, Trump is the evangelical's president, right? We put him in office and we love him no matter what he will do. Right now, now it's your phone. I know, I know. Tell Matt, tell Matt, you're you're in a very important meeting right now. Um, <laughs> one of Mike's new friends here in uh, Columbus, Ohio, is calling us. Yep, I have like four friends, and uh, so whenever any of them call, I get very excited. But you almost blew it with Matt the first time you met him. I'll have to be honest. What was that you said? Oh, he was, he, he, I, I said to him, well, so he's a lawyer. And, and so I came into this little Bible study to talk about hell. And so I was thrown out like we did on the podcast. So I was thrown out like, well, there, there is another option to the eternal conscious torment that I think, you know, is consistent with the Bible. And, and so he really pushed back hard on it. And, and I, I said something like, I think there are 400 things wrong with the statement you just made. Yep, it was one of those moments where I was like, Mike, I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> right, so we got, we're good now. But that was, I came in a little hot. Why is he calling again? Uh, All right. He's my friend. See, now this, yeah, why is he not calling me? Well. All right, so that was part one. And, and if you're thinking, man, we can't wait to have Andy back. I've, I'm thinking the same thing. All right, so I've got, I've got a couple responses 
from our last podcast on um, on uh, Rachel, on uh, sexual abuse, on some of the stuff we got into. So I want to read those uh, because I think there's some really good points made in these. And I just absolutely love that you guys are so responsive. And I'm sorry I have not been. Hi, Mike and Andy. You guys are awesome. During your podcast about Rachel's sad and all too common experience of trying to expose abuse in the church, Mike, you said something like, I don't know what to do about this, but it's awful. Uh, She writes, so true. I have one idea about what happens, about what to do about this. Uh, It's learning the skills for doing justice so that when injustice happens, we know how to investigate it and address it. My experience of trying to expose injustice in the church is that evangelical leaders are complete idiots about confronting injustice, particularly within their own four walls. Um, They have never learned how, all caps, to do justice. So instead, they say things like, don't worry, God will take care of it. Or it's impossible to know what really happened. Or it's great that you have a heart for justice, but God will really use it somewhere else. But we're really busy, so please don't keep following up. (laughs) So, So instead of doing the messy work, of justice and peacemaking, she's saying we we just settle for these kind of tired cliches, and uh, and um, and really unhelpful kind of trite statements. These pitiful responses, she says, are hopefully just a reflection of people who have never been taught, and or never tried to learn the skills of doing justice, so they get lost, confused, and defensive when confronted with an internal issue. That's true. Um, the vast majority of us in seminary do not take classes on sexual abuse and how we should respond to it and, um, and how it works and what the laws are. Um, the vast majority of, uh, now again, I'm, there may be seminaries that cover this stuff. Um, uh, I'm not aware uh, that it's covered anywhere. Maybe that's, maybe that's something good that come out, can come out of all of this. But yeah, we're woefully... We're, we're skilled at defending, defending the rapture, but woefully prepared uh, for dealing with uh, accusations and uh, justice-seeking and peacemaking. No question about it. Um, they get lost, confused, defensive when confronted with an internal issue. They do a lot of damage with their negligence and compound the abuse. I have no doubt about that. I wonder if it would be worth a few episodes to talk with some people about the practical how-tos of doing justice. Things like how to speak up and intervene, how to care for victims, how to pursue, how to pursue perpetrator accountability and rehabilitation, resources available for churches slash entities who need to bring in outside investigators, what to do when no one seems to listen, the list of possibilities is endless. That's a great idea. There are many great options of people who could share, uh, and she gives some Twitter handles at Boz T, um, uh, at netgrace.org, at Daniel Langberg, at Carolyn Ezer, uh, not to mention uh, others linked to spiritual abuse, financial abuse, etc., within the church. I personally know many people who would not be deconstructing or out of the faith altogether if the churches they were attending were equipped and ready to handle abuses that happen within their four walls. Hope this is useful. And even if it's not, I'm glad for the chance to say big hello from rainy Morocco. So this, this young lady was in my youth group oh, wow. like years ago. And she, she, she was like a shining star back then and even more so now. So she's in like one of her, one of her Facebook posts was like, yeah, I gave birth today on my couch. Okay. 
Uh, and I never saw a follow-up about whether the couch was uh, cleaned uh, afterwards. And so I just, I'm going to assume that, but because there's... So what else is this? There's say? raw and then there's... Okay, so Sarah, uh, I'm going to email you back and say, hey, we're, we're addressing this, but but um, shut up. Um, why don't you... You look like Peyton Manning right now. Just a little bit. I am attracted to Peyton Manning, so that's good. <laughs> He's an attractive guy. Although, did you see the mean tweets episode of Jimmy Kimmel where somebody tweeted to Manning, Peyton Manning is the only NFL player to actually look like the mascot of the team he plays for. <laughs> Remember the Denver Bronco and the horse yes, face? Yes. It's awesome. It was awesome. Anyway, so I'm not, I'm not calling you that. You're better looking. Now, so Sarah... Um, Yes, I think that is a fantastic idea. Why don't we have you on? Um, so, so I'm going to reach out to you, and then, uh, yeah, I've heard great things about Boz and Net Grace. So, so I think that's a fascinating idea. So, thank you for that. Um, another, uh, another perspective here. He and he he signs his email from the from the heart of America in Northeast Arkansas. Wow. That's awesome. And then he signs his email. P.S. The best coffee is made via French press. Everyone knows that. So this guy, I like him already. Okay, so what's French press? You're just going to cut me off as Correct. soon as I start talking about Correct. it. Correct. So. But, but is it really French? In other words, like French get get credit for the kiss, when actually that's not true. It was It's Hebrew. It's referenced in Song of Solomon, so it should be Hebrew kissing instead of French kissing. So I'm just wondering if they hijacked coffee, too. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Hi, Andy and Mike. In parentheses, Andy's name purposely put first to give him props. Okay. Insert Kevin number two. Okay. Insert Northeast Arkansas has issues. I'm going to tell you that right now. I enjoy your show. Really appreciate you addressing tough and relevant topics. Your most recent podcast about why the church hurts and uh, Rachel Den Hollander's interview was especially poignant and personal to me. Up till late last year, I was working at the management level at a major Christian nonprofit, uh, serving people experiencing homelessness. When one of our male guests exposed himself in public to one of my female staff members and the staff member experiencing trauma as a result, I find myself almost completely alone and feeling the injustice in the situation and wanting to act to protect the staff member. When I pressed the issue, I actually was escorted from the premises and not allowed to return, even to retrieve my belongings after the past few months of reflecting on what actually happened. In light of so many stories of sexual harassment, misconduct, I've come to the conclusion that it seems to be there is some sort of stronghold in the American Christian church regarding sexual sin and how Christians should respond to it. I use the term stronghold in the way that Paul does in 2 Corinthians 10, some form of spiritual blockage of the knowledge of God. That's, I, I appreciate you saying that. Oh, this is my son, Nate. Hold on a second. Hey, Nate. Dad. Hey, we're on the, you're on the podcast right now. Oh, I'm on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, you're calling Yo, right in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of Spanish, well, beginning. All right, so did you hear about the trade? What, what trade? Okay, so the Cavs are trading IT, no. Channing Fry, and their no, first round not. pick, yep, to the Lakers. For Why? for uh, Jordan Clarkson, yep, and Larry Nance Jr. That's it. That that's all they're getting. Is that a good trade? That's a horrible trade. Okay, you well, you. Well, you it's Cleveland. What do you expect? You that's heard it here trade. first. 
Vox, you heard it here first, right here. Terrible trade. Nate Erie. That's, that's an awful trade. What? what? Nate, we don't like dead air. What's happening? Dude, that's on a podcast, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right, so right. hey. Hey, Nate. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I was calling you. Big news. That is terrible. <laughs> why would they do that? I agree. That Mark, was... get it. You're Mark, get off the podcast, Mark. <laughs> This is friend in Spanish class, evidently. Dude, shut up! <laughs> hey, uh, hi, podcast. You know, it's it's your boy, Columbus. <laughs> Everybody's making fun of me right now. No, 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 no. They just feel sorry for you, Nate. Oh yes. Oh, wait, who's there? That's that's oh, Kevin no. number two. Hi, Kevin. This is your buddy who uh, helps you. Um, that's right. Every time Mike drops Nate off at school, Mike always says, Nate, don't embarrass me. And so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's I true. Even, I don't even understand. I have a reputation. I, none of us well, understand. I'm about to take a test, so uh, I'm going to have to let you go. Habla espanol. Yeah. See you later, Dad. Muy bien. See you, Nate. <laughs> oh, good Lord. All right. This. I don't think this one will be one of our more popular episodes. Well, having you in the room here is is way worse. <laughs> well, it's because you've done all the talking. No, that's the only reason it's good, uh, Kevin. I mean... All right, so I use the term stronghold in the same way Paul does in 2 Corinthians. Um that God, let's see, it's a, some sort of blockage, spiritual blockage of the knowledge of God. Of course, God is concerned with forgiveness, but he's also interested in justice and has tasked us with seeking and especially on behalf of those who need advocates. Um, so, so, oh yeah. Okay. So he keeps going on about what happened at his, at his real job. I simply, I write simply to support uh, those speaking out against sexual sin, I applaud them and you both for facing this difficult but important subject. And then he does the French press thing, which kind of invalidates every other point he makes. It makes him awesome. Um, so, so I think I, I think a very similar similar thing. I mean, so you used to work for a large um, Christian organization, correct? And w- was there any? W- and I know for a fact, at least, that, that there have been sexual issues and affairs and whatever that have happened and do you do you feel like you were prepared for handling stuff like that uh i mean it's one of those things where like I, you didn't ever receive training on sexual abuse or like any one, of that but stuff it's one of those things where the organization i worked for we weren't we weren't we would have to do something about it or report it or turn it in or do something, but it wasn't, I'm, I wasn't a counselor. I wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. anything like that. So, but, uh, but, but, but there was mandatory reporting of stuff. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And, and my organization dealt with stuff quickly and, and swiftly. You know, nice. For the most part. Hey, look at that. Yeah. So, but you can hide anything anywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, it's in these large organizations, it's easy to hide. Um, but once things would come out, people were supported. Well, it's are always supported. Well, it's so funny because at least it seems to me that very often what's done is is it's covered up or it's hidden or it's and it's for the sake of the witness of the church. You know, it's like, well, we can't let people know our dirty laundry because, you know, it could compromise our, you know, our witness to uh, to outsiders or whatever. But but I think it's had the I, I think it's. It's the fact that we 
have tried to protect our witness that so compromised it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of it's kind of like it, had we had we been open, honest, just, gracious about things in our own camp, we would be we would be much better trusted in in speaking on other moral issues. But because we haven't, you know, we're just seen we're just seen as rotten fruit. Now, do you think this is a generational thing? Because I worked with uh, the group of people that I worked with were very open and honest and would communicate. Um, Pretty much anything and everything. I think it absolutely is. I think and there's so, a huge generational. So I didn't to deal it. with. I didn't deal with that necessarily because it was out. Yeah. Out in front. Yeah. Um, I do think. Yeah. If you're working with college kids or younger millennials, there does seem to be a pretty ruthless. Now I'm not saying, of course, it doesn't happen. I'm just saying, if you if you work, and I wonder if this is true, if you work in organizations led by like college age students, millennial students, millennial people, um, versus if you work for organizations led by boomers and Xers, is there a difference in the way these things are approached merely from a generational perspective? That would be interesting. Um, it would be very interesting. So I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but I think that would be, um, from the heart of America, Northeastern Texas, do you have thoughts on that? Cause that would be interesting to me. If, um, because it seems like there's always, it seems like there's always been sexual abuse. Um, and, and it does seem like the MO has been, uh, it seems, uh, in a lot of notable cases, just to kind of sweep it under kind of the rug. Um, and, uh, and so all this stuff is coming to light. And, and, I, and I just wonder if, because there is a, um, there is a justice seeking that I, I don't think a lot of us have been in touch with in terms of what it meant to lead a church or lead a Christian organization. Like I said, I never had anything on that. We were told what, you know, if you had, if you suspected the abuse of children or whatever, you had to report, but um, not some of the real murky stuff that that's coming out these days. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, so first of all, I'm so proud of you um, for putting what you saw as a justice issue ahead of your job. And I'm so proud of you for wanting to um, speak out um, and support people who are wrestling with this. No question about it. Um, I don't know. I just don't know how, how we address the stronghold. That was an interesting comment you made. Like it, it seems for as much as we preach against sexual sin, we should have, and maybe we preach so much against it because you know, there's the secret struggle of it in so many of us. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Why? Why? There's so much. There's so much. Or, or maybe there's not. Maybe it's just superficial teaching. I think it's superficial teaching. I mean, how often? I mean, the the, the teaching I set under growing up and in the, the mainline church is don't have sex before marriage. That's the. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And so if you don't do that, you're a good Christian. If you do do that, you're. Uh, yeah, you're, backslider. Yeah, you're terrible. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, there's not a whole lot of issues are brought up, at least in my experience. Yeah. So there was no kind of holistic view right. of the goodness of sex. It was all shame based. And whenever people are experiencing shame, what do we do? We hide. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. So it's so it's not. So we haven't given we haven't given people good teaching on sexuality. We've just said, here, here are the lines. Please don't. 
mm-hmm. and that hasn't been very effective. I think as a, as a main, I mean, it's hard to make a, a generalization across the board that way. But, but that won't stop us. But it seems, I mean, I think about it when when you spoke at a, an event for me a couple years ago. And oh, you spoke yes. on this topic. Oh, we did. There's 2,500 college students in the room. And I would say 90% of them had never heard or considered the things, the, the sexual things that you were talking about and speaking from the Bible and, and scripture and backing things up. Um, but we went places that, that they've never even been to. And that's why it was just such a great experience and great event. Um, yeah. I mean, it, and it was, it was basic, like sex, sex is a gift, right? Not a curse. And these are 20, 22 year old yeah. st- students yeah. who have, most of them were brought up in the church. Yeah, that's true. And it's their first time hearing it. So the generalization I think is there. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's interesting. So, so how do you break that stronghold? Um, we need much better teaching on human flourishing and sexuality. I think you just listened to the Vox podcast. <laughs> While you're drinking Cripson Cup, what was the roast? Uh, Armando's Blend. Armando's Blend. Costa Cabina. Oh, Lord. All right. A little Chemex. <laughs> little what? V60. What? Oh, all right. So it wouldn't be a podcast uh, with one last issue. Uh, John Piper. It, it, listen, I know, I know, seriously, we're not going to do this every week, but this is three in a row now. Um, but okay. So his website, I don't know if it was him or whatever, but somebody, somebody tweeted at us and said, you guys got to call this out. We're like, well, yeah, I mean, of course. So it was the, the tweet was, we will find mental health. When we stop staring in the mirror and fix our eyes on the strength and beauty of God. Okay. We will find mental health when we stop staring in the mirror. So in other words, stop going inward or stop analyzing yourself and fix our eyes upon the strength and beauty of God. Now, is that true? Well, I, I, I can't imagine focusing on the strength and beauty of God ever being a bad thing. Unless... You're, you're denying the fact that there are other issues at play. So if the, if the, if the, 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 if this kind of train of thought would be used, um, so that when people who are, are deeply mentally ill, bipolar, um, who are schizophrenic, who are suffering from clinical depression, uh, if you're, if the only answer to them is we'll just focus on the strength and beauty of God, then I would say, well, I think that's part of it, but there seems like a whole lot of other stuff out there and that that kind of theology could be really, really damaging for people and add to their shame. So it's my fault I'm experiencing mental illness because I'm not focusing on God enough. And and so so now they, they came out with another... This is real? This really happened? Uh, this week. I know. I mean, I, I want to move on to other things, yeah. but this, see, women can't teach in seminary. Um, God predestines those who go to hell. Um, God is the author of everything that happens in the world. Um, women's place is in the home. Mental health is only an issue of theology, right? Now, now, not all my friends who are of reformed persuasions would ever say these things, but some of this some of the popular level stuff gets turned into this. And I just think it's super damaging. 
I mean, I, I think it's really like, if you're going to use the word heretical, this gets pretty close to me. And because, it, because I just, I would never, I would never hear Jesus saying anything like this. Now, obviously he didn't use those categories or have those categories, but you know, I see huge compassion for the broken and the hurting, the, the guy who's out of his mind with, you know, demonic oppression. And I, I don't see him just saying, Hey bro, just focus more. I mean, now again, it's a tweet. So I get that that's not the full story. Now, though, now after a lot of pushback, they came back and tweeted this out. Thank you to those expressing kind concerns. We apologize for leaving off the link that gives the context, quoting Clyde Kilby from more than 40 years ago when mental health didn't have the same technical connotations as today. So there was, I, I guess this was part of, a, of an article that Mr. Piper wrote. And so, and, and he wrote it in 07, when certainly mental health issues were at the forefront of our collective imaginations, quoting Clyde Kilby in a lecture that came from 1976 that was, that was, that talked about, um, stop seeking mental health in the mirror of self-analysis, but instead drink the remedies of God in nature. And, and, and all I'm saying is, okay, so, so but even the context isn't that awesome because um uh <laughs> because the list that that Kilby gives he's got 10 resolutions uh about how to do that i think those can be very very helpful uh but but there is a there is a sense that that um uh that even the context of the quote just seems to say that mental health is still reduced to these 10 practices on focusing on the eternal rather than the temporal. And, and believe me, that would be freaking awesome. Everyone should do this. Yes. Eternal perspective. Yes. Looking at, at, at human life from the kingdom of God point of view, no question about it. No question about it. But it's just that when you tweet out, it's like the, it's like the, like the, 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 the folks that tweeted out doubt is slander against the almighty. Jesus came, came to save us from our doubts, you know, and, and you're like, yeah, but there's, it's just more than that, man. And so something like this, I'm like, dang, my own experience as someone who is still taking freaking medication for depression and anxiety is, is that, um, there's no question. There was a spiritual theological part of this. No question that, that I needed to learn how to think better. No question about that. But I'm also convinced uh, that there was a, a physical, there was something physically going on too. And the reason I know that is when, when the physical issue was addressed, there was a dramatic difference in my ability to think about God. So, so, and, and in fact, and in fact, um, when you, when you, if we were to take the word mental health and just talk about physical health, we will find physical health when we stop staring in the mirror and fix our eyes on the hearts and promises of God. Or how about financial health? Or we will find success or even happiness, right? I mean, we... Preach it. Uh, no, I'm just saying, right? We'd all have problems with that theology. Absolutely. Right? We should. So when you, when you find mental health, I love one, one pastor, I loved put this. He said, I'm a Christian pastor who takes medication for depression and anxiety. This post is harmful, no matter what the intention, please delete it. So, and, and we've talked a lot about mental health in the podcast because that's a very real issue for me. Um, and Kevin too. I mean, if we were going to be honest. Oh, absolutely. 
<laughs> it is? Well, I think if we were honest, that's the reason you drink coffee. For my mental health yes. issues. Yes. If only it were that easy, <laughs> I could drink coffee and just walk with Jesus. Yes. And I would See? be healed. Well, in, in fact... Some would say drinking coffee and walking with Jesus are synonymous. So I don't even know that you'd have to do two separate things there. As long as you have a Bible open. Oh, yes. In the coffee shop. Yes. And you tweet about it. Or Instagram it. Yes. To make sure everyone knows. Um, So so we would just throw a bit of a fit, again, at the kind of theology that, um, that, that would reduce mental health issues to that i would see that as very damaging i would see that as very shaming i would see that as not freeing or liberating uh i do not see that as jesus-y and and i i just think it's factually incorrect and so is there some truth to oh of course man our 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 picture of god matters our theology matters but that's why we go after this because theology does a great deal of harm to people now i'm not saying mine's perfect No, no 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 my goodness no My goodness, never. But there's a sense in which when you throw something like that into the public sphere, which is so easily abused without nuance, without context, man, I just think you're doing harm. I just think you're doing harm. So I do think part of the responsibility of the greater Christian community is to provide a counter narrative to that very narrow view of what mental health is. Of course, it's a spiritual issue and it's an emotional issue. And it's a theology issue. And it's, but it's never just one of those. You know, it's usually, because we're complex people, um, it's usually a whole host of things. So yes, theology matters. Focusing on the strength and beauty of God, of course. Oh my goodness, immerse yourself in Jesus. But that does not follow that just simply immersing yourself in Jesus means your depression, schizophrenia, or bipolar disorder will go away. <clears throat> right? There are other deeper issues. It reminds me of, uh, remember that Mad TV skit? Did you ever see that? Where the guys go into the counselor's office and he no. just yells. They pour out all their problems. It's a counselor's office. Pour out all their problems. And the guy says, well, I have a solution for you. And that is, and he says, stop it. And then he just keeps seeing people <laughs> over and over again. And he just keeps saying, stop it, stop it, that's stop it. it. And the, he kicks them out of the office. And that's, I mean, it's, it was a spoof. It was Mad well, TV. Well, it's, back, I mean, it's it, back to the same kind of thinking about sexuality. Just don't do it. Right. Just, just stop it. Just stop it. Yeah. And and, and so here's mental health. Just stop it. And this this is why, I mean, this is what goes back to what Sarah was saying. This is why so many people are deconstructing and walking away. It doesn't work. It's not true. And it's not the gospel. Right. And so so to those, you know, who again press that, well, why are you talking about Piper? Why are you calling out other teachers? Man, it, it I don't want to. I mean, I've been called out before. Absolutely. And there's a good part of that but doggone it man there there is such harmful stuff floating around out there that you have to call it out sometimes i mean my goodness so hopefully next week we'll have andy back hope <laughs> he just shot me this look and then and then while i was talking about piper kevin kevin pulled up on his phone a picture of him talking with piper and just set it right in front of me so thank you for that Kevin hosted an event where Mr. Piper was one of the speakers, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, we joined his his event for a, a session to hear uh, David Platt speak. Oh, nice. Okay, but he, but you weren't there to hear him speak. No, nope. Got it. Anyway, all that is to say, um, 
this has been one of the more ADD episodes I think we have because you're sitting here making fun of me, laughing, giving me facial expressions you know, that are totally inappropriate. I represent all the Andes of the world who have just taken abuse from you. <laughs> Speaking of abuse, <laughs> verbally, and there are so many people out there that just they love coffee, love coffee, and love hockey. And love hockey. This is Columbus Blue Jackets. Come on. Oh, we have a team? We <laughs> the, Half the team lives right down the street from you. Yeah, because we're in suburban Columbus, baby. <laughs> yes. But it's still true. Okay. You moved here out of choice. I did. I did. ADD, huh? I, well, that's a, that's a mental health issue that I see should just read my Bible and it will go away. That's what I'm talking about. Right? All right, Kevin, any last thoughts, my friend? Oh, it's good being here. Um, thanks for finally inviting me here to represent <laughs> Columbus, Ohio, and Ohio in general. Um, that one, there was something earlier talked about uh, you should move out of the country if you don't want to make America great again. Right. I mean, I'm guessing you kind of feel like that when you move to Ohio. <laughs> so so there, maybe there is some truth to that uh, already. So uh, oh, it's been my fun. Goodness. Yes. You think I'll ever get an invite back? Um, it will depend if it'll depend if Andy actually airs this episode. He's still so it's got to go to him. He may be jealous. Oh. He he may he may feel threatened. Okay. And so I'm I, you know I mean I'm gonna trade Garoppolo and keep Brady, if that's my choice. Okay. That so this might get cut. Well, we I, maybe... I don't think it will. Okay. You you might be edited out. All right. <laughs> so it's just me laughing randomly. <laughs> I did talk about coffee. Yeah, they, so did, he's in for that. Did talk about Andy's guns. Sun's out, guns out. Yeah, we. we I think um, we were complimentary. And I made fun of you, so what would he cut? That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, Andy, we love you. We miss you. Whenever you hear this. <laughs> All right. So, brothers and sisters, as always, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to just be like plowing through feedback like crazy. Um, there's so many great questions that we got coming up. So, um, uh, keep, keep letting us know what you think. So grateful for your participation and engagement. I learn a lot from you and by you, I mean the intelligent listener. I don't mean people in the room with me. I, I just mean a, a lot of you are intelligent out there and I learn a lot. <laughs> so we're very grateful. All right. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. No. No, that we that's not our blessing this week. Okay. We already did our benediction, dude. I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> Where at least I know I'm free. And, and, and what's the next I one? Won't forget the men who died. And paid the price for me. And I'll gladly stand up next to you. I don't know that next line. And something proud. Da, 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 do, da, do. Yeah. And it ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless. The USA. The USA. Peace to you, my brothers and sisters. Until next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast. And now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash voxpodcast.